There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium, Stadium's number one NBA podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, we're everywhere. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'm Ben Wittenstein. And I'm, of course, am Zach Badger House in the house. Zach, I'm feeling good. We're into April. The winter months are behind us. It's starting to warm up. People are getting vaccinated. Uh, it's starting to feel like uh, a fun spring and summer is ahead. A fun spring and summer could possibly de- could possibly be in the works. A good summer. I've gotten vaccinated for the first time. Still waiting on my second dose. I encourage those who haven't. To use your best judgment, if I'll do your research on the vaccine and then make that final decision. You know, I did my research and made that decision to go and get vaccinated for the first dose, second dose in about a few weeks. Have you gotten vaccinated yet, buddy? I have. I just got my second dose actually a couple of days ago. So that was fun. I've got the, the side effects, certainly felt uh, a little sick the next day, but feeling great now. So it'll be nice to be able to, to go back into restaurants and bars, to be honest. Absolutely. Without a mask, for sure. We'll see what happens with that as uh, the months kind of progress. Without question, uh, I was at a bar this weekend, you know, with a mask, felt comfortable, you know, for the first time. I actually saw the uh, Jalen Suggs shot live and that whole thing transpired live with UCLA and Gonzaga. And so so being at a public place like that and and witnessing that shot and that sequence of basketball and being out in public and seeing everyone else it was great man it was pretty great to see oh that's gotta be fun it's been i mean it's been over a year since i've been able to watch a game at a bar or or sports bar or sports book or anything like that so that that's gotta be fun to see that shot and to be around all those people in a bar exactly and then i if you're if if you're talking betting wise like i'm sitting across from someone who had ucla money line so imagine seeing ucla tie the tie the game and then Jalen Suggs come down and shoots from over 30 feet off the bank to win the game and go to the national championship for Gonzaga. Like it was just a crazy, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean that uh, I asked this on Twitter too, with the stadium account. And I was saying, is this, this has got to be one of the, that had to be one of the best college basketball games, at least in the last decade. And you, you obviously have that Chris Jenkins shot with, with Villanova to beat UNC. I mean that it's hard to beat a game winning buzzer beater shot to win the national championship. But what Suggs did is pretty close. It's definitely close. It's 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 for sure a top five, top seven all time moment in March Madness. Like I don't like yeah. There's Michael Jordan, there's Chris Jenkins, obviously. There's the uh I think NC the NC State shot from that guy. I can't remember his name right now, but you know, you have those moments in college basketball 
And those those type of shots elevate your career at the next level. I mean, MJ, it started with MJ, too, back in the 80s, you know, hitting that shot over Georgetown. And then what? The last shot <laughs> for the Bulls yep. against Utah. So. Yeah, that's that's quite the career that Jordan had. Um, but yeah, there was I mean, you have the, the Christian Leitner shot. Of course, you have Key Smart for Indiana in 87 to beat Syracuse. There's those shots throughout the years, but that people remember. And I think that Jalen Suggs one is going to be up there that a lot of people remember. And I'll tell you, I am excited because we had Jeff Goodman on last year in 2020 to talk about the NBA draft. And I'm very excited to have him on this year when the draft gets closer, because I want to hear him talk about Jalen Suggs, because I, I tweeted out about the Bulls that they need to do literally anything that they can to be able to get Jalen Suggs, because I think he is going to be a really good NBA player. Very good. That's going to be a player that we're definitely going to hear from, from Jeff, along with other players like Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, I will be asking about, Sharif Cooper as well, you know, other the notable freshmen that are going to be probably one and done. They haven't made that decision, but, you know, they're pretty projected high on the draft board in the NBA right now. And so, and even the G League guys, I'll probably ask about, because a lot of people have are curious about the Jalen Green kid and the Isaiah kid too, uh, Isaiah Todd kid that are that you know elected to go G the G League route. So we'll see what Jeff Goodman has to say about all these guys. Can't wait. Yeah. Our NBA draft episode, uh, we haven't even planned it out and we're still talking about it. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and as we said, you can find us anywhere the podcast. Uh, we have our new kind of a new Facebook page. You know, it's been up for a month or two, so it's relatively new. You can go on and follow us on Facebook um, and anywhere you get your podcast. But Zach, I think the theme for this episode this week is just the Denver Nuggets. Because we have multiple segments where we're going to talk about the Nuggets in this in this podcast episode, and I think it's for a good reason. Very because good so reason. so let let's start with the story of the week. A top story tonight. Uh, and the story of the week this week is surprise surprise the Denver Nuggets and how well they have been playing <laughs> since the trade deadline, and it's a big reason they're playing well, and the big reason is because of Aaron Gordon and their acquisition of Aaron Gordon. The trade deadline. They're four and zero since getting Aaron Gordon. Their starting lineup has had a plus thirty net rating, I think, on average in those four games that they have had Aaron Gordon, and his chemistry with Nikola Jokic looks incredible. So, I, I mean, I don't want to say it too early, and this could have been our overreaction, but the Nuggets not only look dangerous, but they kind of look like a title contender at this point. They're, they're definitely someone you have to consider as a title contender, the Denver Nuggets. The acquisition of Aaron Gordon has done wonders for them. And we'll see what teams do to adjust with Aaron Gordon now being on a Denver Nuggets because that's, that's new. That's something that teams haven't seen so far just yet. And like you said, they are 4-0 since Aaron Gordon has arrived in Denver. Man, listen, the, the stats are incredible by this man. And I'm not even talking about points, rebounds, assists, uh, nothing like that. I'm talking about the stats that you sent me about the how much time he has the ball during the possession. He hardly ever has the ball for that amount of time, but he's still relatively effective offensively. And, that, and why is that? Man, the cutting of, of Aaron Gordon is amazing. I saw a play in their last game, a few plays actually, Man, Aaron Gordon would trail. He would inbound the ball. He would trail. Jokic has the ball top of the key. And then Aaron Gordon would literally hesitate, stop at the top of the key, 
and then cut super fast down the lane, down the middle for a bounce pass reverse dunk from Aaron Gordon. And to see that four games in, the future's bright for Denver. Yeah, and those stats, not to get super technical with the stats, but the Aaron Gordon in Orlando stats are, at least of right now, significantly worse than the stats that he has been putting up in Denver. Um, if we're talking about, you know, average dribbles per touch, he had about three and a half dribbles per touch in Orlando with Denver so far, it's 1.1 dribbles per touch. And you talked about the cutting and the space that he's using more often, he's getting the ball. He's going right to the rim. And he's basically already at the rim when he has that ball, when he's getting passes from Jokic. So he's doing a lot less work than he was in Orlando points per touch 0.2 in Orlando. With Denver, it's 1.1. Denver scores over a point every time Aaron Gordon has touched the ball on average. I mean, that is night and day compared to what he was doing in Orlando. And he he really just has come in. He's the perfect role for him. He doesn't need to be the main guy. He doesn't need to be the superstar. But he still has the ability to be a really strong number three for that team. And what's really most important, we sit here and talk about the offense of Aaron Gordon. Man, listen. The defense yeah. for Aaron Gordon is just as superb as of as of, as of these four games so far for the different Nuggets with, with AG. It's so crazy, Ben. I'm watching the Clipper game versus the Nuggets, right? I'm sitting there, and I'm watching Kawhi Leonard. He was struggling. I'm going to be honest. He probably had a decent game in terms of points, but he had to work. I'm not even going to lie to you. He literally had to work, Kawhi Leonard, against Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon made the claw really work offensively. I'm talking about he had to start over. You know how he gets his offense going with the between the leg crossover, tween, tween. You know, he get his little offense going. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. really working for him. So he had to kick it out, start over, and really had to, you know, work against A.G. offensively. And that's kudos to the to Aaron Gordon and the uh, Denver Nuggets, man. I'm telling you, they gonna be, they're going to be pretty special. And then, you know, I got to talk about my boy. And you and I'm going to just pass it over to you. Got to talk about MPJ. Yep. MPJ is definitely stepping up with the arrival of AG. Yeah, he's been um, he's been really good. He's been really, really good, um, especially since mid-February. And we keep going back to MPJ, Zach, for some reason, because we, we talked about him to start the season, about how he could be our most improved player. And he hasn't lived up to it. He, he had a rough start and everything. But now the past, you know, few games – or a few weeks, I should say, he's been great. He's been a really good player. Um, and the stat that I saw that was wild from him, and by the way, I'll, I'll have to, I have to shout out Matt Moore from the Action Network for coming up with all of these stats um, for the Nuggets. He's he's a big Nuggets writer guy, so he he's coming up with all these stats that he's tweeting out. But I think there was something about Michael Porter Jr. where he scored, it was like 16, 17 points in one game, and he took like four dribbles the entire game. Something like that. And it's just amazing how much more efficient he has gotten with the ball in his hands where he's coming off screens and and popping up for a shot or he's getting the ball down low and he's able to go upright with it. So he's been putting himself in better positions and the offense has flowed a lot better with him finding his spot to shoot it quickly, too, which is his strength. You know what's funny, Ben? You say that, that catch and shoot, that actually kind of sealed the game in their last game against the Orlando Magic. He caught and shot a three-point shot on a baseline to really put that game away in their last game against yeah. Orlando. And that was a game where the Denver Nuggets struggled early to start. 
and came back. And I think they outscored the Orlando Magic like 68 to 34 in the second half. And a big kudos to MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., because he was huge in that 20 points, 12 rebounds. And what's really important, you know, I'm, I'm all good because I've seen the offense of MPJ and we talked about it. He can really light it up on the offensive side. But what's been vital as of late with MPJ is the help defense. He's finally starting to figure it out. And he was young, and he's young, so that's what I expect. It's um, It's been fun to watch him develop because you and I both know that he has the potential to be a really good NBA player. He has that body, right? He has, what is he, 6'8", 6'9". He's got the wingspan of about seven feet. He's got the speed to be able to, to keep up with most offensive players in the league and, and he's got the size to be able to cover a lot of ground. So he has the, the whole package to be able to fit that description of a really good NBA player. And he's just finally starting to figure it out in the last 15 games. He's shooting 52% from three, 52% from three. So he's clearly finding himself. And I think the addition of Aaron Gordon too, to the team is going to provide more space on the perimeter for people like Will Barton or people like Jamal Murray and people like MPJ to sit on the arc and get their open shots. When Aaron Gordon is diving in the lane, you have to deal with Jokic and Gordon down low. How how, how do you as a defense try to figure that out and figure out the, the good spacing uh, to defend this team? So just the addition of Aaron Gordon, I think not only helps Jokic, but it's going to help Michael Porter Jr. a ton as, as this team goes into the playoffs. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And you know who talked about it after, after the last game? Will Barton. Will Barton said defensively, you know, we all can get to our correct assignments now. You know, there's not going to be any worries defensively in terms of assignments because of the addition of Aaron Gordon. Yeah. So this this Nuggets team, I don't think I'm ready to officially say, you know, that they are the favorite to win the title. But what are they top top four now? Probably in my mind. I mean, you've got you've got the Lakers fully healthy. You're going to have the Clippers maybe the Nets and then like the jazz and the nuggets are kind of right there as semi outsiders to be the favorites to win the title. Well, you know what? It, this is how I look at it, Ben. I think the Clippers are expecting Terrence Mann and Rondo to really push them over the top come playoff time. And remember, we talked about it last week. We were joking in regards to the Utah jazz and how doc rivers said the teams to be are the Lakers and the Clippers. You may have to scratch the Clippers off that list, and you may have to add just the different Nuggets. The Lakers and the Nuggets are the team to beat right now in the West. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially when fully healthy. But, you know, we saw how good the Nuggets did last season, and we saw how well they played in the postseason in the bubble. So you add someone as dynamic as Aaron Gordon to that lineup, I just I see this team destroying in the playoffs, at least in the first round or two. I mean, this is this is a team that should be really, really dangerous once playoff time comes. I'm really excited to see them because I think now finally this is the this is the lineup. This is the starting lineup with Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. That's that's the lineup that is fully realized for the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I think that that's the lineup that they've always craved. It's the lineup where everyone works off each other off each other's strengths perfectly. I'm I'm really excited to see how that works in the long run. Speaking of Nikola Jokic, what's the overreaction? Arnold. All right, let's do overreaction, Zach. Overreaction or not, is Nikola Jokic the MVP this year? Ooh-wee, that is a 
tough question, man. Should, it is. Yeah, should Jokic win MVP? Is that, is that an overreaction to say Jokic is the MVP this year? Well, he is the MVP favorite according to the betting odds right now. Yep. According to the betting odds right now, Nikola Jokic is the current favorite. So if you are a, a, a better, you know, you may want to consider that. However, I will say this. Different Nuggets are currently fourth in the West. Yes, they've won five straight. However, as long as I believe, I believe this strongly, Ben, and this has to be the case. I promise you it has to be the case, Ben. If the Portland Trailblazers remain out of that play-in situation, Damian Lillard has to win MVP. He has to. There's no doubt in my mind, like, Damian Lillard has to win MVP if the Portland Trailblazers remain out of that play-in playoff situation. As long as he can keep the Trailblazers out of that situation and out of that scenario towards the end of the season, then Damian Lillard might have to win MVP, man. If it comes down between Jokic and Dame, I I can't pick. It's like picking between your own children. You, <laughs> I can't do it. I, I would love to see Jokic win just as much as I would love to see Dame win. Mm-hmm. I think both of them winning would be incredibly fun. Um, and I know it's a lot more fun to like pick a side in something like this, but I can't. I, just, I can't pick between Jokic and Dame. You can't make me. They're they're just too fun of guys to to, to pick against. So. I would definitely be on board if the Blazers, you know, right now they're two games out of third. The Blazers are two games out of the third place spot in the West. So if you have the Nuggets or the Blazers in a top three spot, I think you could equally say that Dame or Jokic deserve it because Embiid has been out. Embiid has been out with some injuries. So that it's, it's tough to put him in because of how much time he has missed this season. LeBron is going to miss significant time, so you can't really give him the MVP this season when other guys have played more than him and have played just as well, if not better than him this year. And those guys have been Dame and Jokic. To be honest, they're the two guys who should be the front runners at this point. I don't know if you could make the argument for really anyone else other than maybe Joel, but still, the time missed, I think, really hurts him. The time missed is very important in regards to the MVP race this year because at a point in time... Just last week, literally, James Harden was probably leading candidate for MVP all of a sudden. Am I lying? I mean, I even put five bucks on the dude. It was like plus 900 to win, you know, like $50 for James Harden to win MVP after I heard the noise. And the numbers do, you know, they are equivalent to the status of MVP race for James Harden. So I'm not I'm not denying that. You know, it is there. But he's been he's gonna miss some time with this hamstring injury, so that may you know that's gonna decrease his value for MVP right now. And I know people may be saying right now, well, what about Giannis? Exactly. And Giannis Giannis has been great. Obviously, Giannis has been playing at a fantastic level, especially in the second half of the season. But you have to remember how people vote for NBA MVP. It's it's very much storyline based uh, a lot of the time. Giannis, I don't think is going to win another MVP, <laughs> at least at this point, this soon after his last MVP. It's just, that's just not usually how it works in the NBA. You know what's funny you say that? Someone said to me this weekend, they were like, if Giannis wins MVP for the third time and I'm done with the NBA, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, why would you think he would win it this year? I mean, don't get me wrong. He's played great as of late. 
But they got off to a rocky start, and then he missed a little bit of time. He's still playing good. He's still being Giannis, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that. But he's not, he wouldn't be MVP right now, not with the other guys. I mean, like I said, if you look up in the dictionary, or it's probably not even in the dictionary, but if you Googled more with less, yeah, Damian Lillard face should pop up <laughs> at some point, like. Sure. More with more with less is the, is Damian Lillard is all day every day. Like it's not even funny. He literally does more with less and has done it time and time again. And it's about time for that MVP conversation. Yeah, and right now he's sixth in at least for the odds to win MVP. He is he is sixth uh, behind LeBron, Giannis, Embiid, Harden, and, and Jokic. But again, I mean Harden, you could you could make the case for Harden. I don't want to see Harden win the MVP. I know you don't want to see Harden. Win the MVP. <laughs> it just wouldn't be very fun at all. Um, but he he obviously has a very solid case to be an MVP this year. Just it wouldn't be very fun. I don't think they're going to give Giannis his third MVP in a row. I it, it's just usually does not work out that way. You have to be have just this insane, amazing season to do to win three MVPs in a row. I, I don't think the voters are going to give him his third MVP in a row. Lillard would make a great story, and I think he deserves it. Jokic, I think, would also make a great story, and I think he deserves it. So in my mind, those are the top two. Um, Betting-wise, it doesn't seem like they're the top two, but there's a lot that can change in the next month, month and a half. So I, I hope Lillard and the Blazers make another step forward. I do think the Blazers need to start winning a bit more often and at least move into the top five for Lillard to be considered seriously by people to win the MVP. But Jokic and the Nuggets, as long as they're top four and maybe move into the top three spot, I think it's Jokic's to lose at this point. Like you said, top five for Dame, and then he definitely has to be considered. Right now, according to NBA.com, Dame is number two, and Jokic is number one. You want to check that out, NBA.com, for more details. But like I said, Dame right now, he's number two on that list for MVP ladder. And so uh, that's... You know, that's pretty good. You know, I like those chances. You know, if NBA.com has my buddy, you know, number two and Jokic is number one, that's all right with me. And I think at this point, too, Ben, when you really look at it, these guys haven't missed no time, no significant time. I think Dane missed one game. I think we talked about that off of back-to-back because he had just dropped like 40-plus and probably needed rest. But outside of that, I think because of injuries – and these guys not missing time, both Jokic and Dame, I think those have to be the top two remaining for the MVP race. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I think you have to you have to factor in that a little bit, the durability mm-hmm. of a player. If you're going to say they are the most valuable that season, the durability, I think, needs to be <laughs> a pretty big factor. You know, if the guy's not available because of a lot of injury, I mean, it sucks, but... I don't know if you can be considered for most valuable at that point, but I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't know how the voters will, uh, will deal with that, but it'd be nice. It'd be great to see Giannis. It'd be great to see Dame. One of them win, uh, win their first MVPs, but you want to try to make people some money, Zach. Let's try and make some people some money with betting corner. All right. Top team um, against the spread continues to be the Phoenix suns. And they, they are just dominant. And when, when we talk about really good teams and, and teams that may sneak in to be title contenders, I'm not ready to say that yet about the Phoenix Suns, but they're a really good team. And they've shown it in the second half of the season. And Chris Paul is Chris Paul. And Devin Booker is continuing his improvement as one of the more dangerous scorers in the league. 
and their defense is is one of the better defenses, top 10 in the league. Suns are good, and you can make money off of them very clearly. <laughs> yeah, they've won their last uh, three games that I've known so far. They beat the Hawks, they beat the Bulls, they beat the Thunder. That Thunder game was surprising to me because they are one of the teams that usually – you know, hit the under, but then they go out and score 140 points out of nowhere. But Phoenix through 48 games are 34 and 14. That's better than what they did last year. And the season's not even over with. So that's very good. However, I will want to, I do want to say this to the listeners out there that may be considering betting with the Phoenix Suns moving forward. They have a tough schedule the remaining of the season like they uh i believe they have a pretty schedule pretty solid schedule where they play a lot of teams that are above 500 i believe close to 50 if not 60 percent of the rest of their season they play teams with a better record of 500 let's see this yeah the strength of schedule they are top four they're fourth in the league with the hardest remaining schedule so that's tough um, and I think that's I, I think that's a good call when you're talking about teams that to, to bet on. And if the Suns are going to be playing some of the more difficult teams in the league, I think they played the let's see they play the Jazz twice, play the Clippers, the Bucks, the Nets, 76ers. So th- this is a tough schedule for yeah. the Suns coming up to end the year. <laughs> Those are serious um, playoff teams. So, and how about this transition? So if you don't feel comfortable betting Phoenix because it's a tough game. And you, and you really don't really like some of the spreads that you're seeing as of late because a lot of the injuries, people sitting out for rest, and you're seeing these high single-digit, low double-digit spreads. May I suggest first-half betting? Betting first-half spreads. And, and if we're talking about, Zach, the best team in the NBA who against the spread is the top team against the spread in the first half, that is the one and only New York Knicks. 30, 16, and two against the spread in the first half this season. If you're not on the first half (laughs) spread betting train, get on right now because the Knicks are incredible in the first half this year. So even if they're losing, they're still in it. You know what's funny? You're right. You watch a few Knicks games, they're in it at halftime. If they're they're losing, they're not down by too many points. It's either one or two points, or it may be no much more more than a six-point a game going into the break of the deficit for the Knicks. And so, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. And like we always say, they're uh, they're one of the best teams in terms of under. So, you know, that's playing good defense and always keeping – uh, Tom Thibodeau in the game, you know, in terms of coaching and, you know, making sure that he doesn't burn out Julius Randle or anything like that. So yeah, they're doing a good job. Yeah. So they've, they've been good and they've made, uh, people have noticed and people are getting on that first half Knicks bandwagon for against the spread. And it really, I mean, it's the defense, as you said, it's the defense at least keeps them close at the very least for a half or close enough where even if they're not the favorite in the game, they're the underdog, they'll still be able to cover that first half spread simply because of how good of defense that they have. So they, they usually are a pretty safe bet to get those first half spreads again, 30 and 16 against the spread in the first half, the Rockets, though, Zach remain the worst team in the NBA (laughs) against the spread. Just if you have bet the Houston Rockets and you listen to this show, I, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, other than I'm not mad, I'm just really disappointed. <laughs> They've lost four straight. And so 
if you're looking to get into the Houston Rockets, bet against them, obviously. Tease them, at least, if you're going to bet with them. So if they're underdogs, at least tease the point so you feel good about yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's... I like don't even touch him. <laughs> don't even touch him. I, I don't just stay away. It's it's uh it's a them, dumpster though. fire of a team. <laughs> stay away. Um the Pelicans continue to be the kings of overs. Pelicans overs all season long, baby. They've been 33 and 16 for the over. So continue to hammer the Pelicans overs because they will continue to most likely make you money. And it's so crazy because Zion's been out, I think, two games so far. And Zion, I mean, not Zion, but Zoe came back and was tremendous, by the way. Go check out yeah. Lonzo Ball's last game highlights. He had eight threes. He was phenomenal. He, he shot the ball with confidence, too, coming back from his injury. So I like to see that from Zoe. Zoe is going to be running that offense for the rest of the season. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But for now, he looked good in his return. I was surprised to see the over still hit without Zion. But, <laughs> hey, when you got a guy shooting that well, like a boy like Lonzo Ball, it works wonders. Yeah, New Orleans loves hitting the overs. Now, on the flip side, the Lakers love hitting the unders because <laughs> they, uh, they're they not good. They're not good without LeBron or, or Anthony Davis sometimes. They can, they can look pretty bad. Listen. Let me tell you something. And I want everybody that's listening to pay attention closely. The Los Angeles Lakers right now, they currently are 31 and 19. They are underneath the Nuggets, Clippers, Suns, and the Utah Jazz. Los Angeles Lakers. You know what that tells you? That tells you that, yeah, they're not playing very well. They have some injuries. But listen, if you're watching the Los Angeles Lakers, you'd be disappointed as well because they look like the the rec league Lakers. That's exactly what (laughs) the Los Angeles Lakers look like. They look like a bunch of rec league dudes that's supposed to be at Lifetime Fitness or or somewhere shooting shooting up shots and getting all 12. Like all 15 of the guys currently on the roster that's playing that's not (laughs) that's not hurt. They probably can go into the rec and get all 12 or all 15 of the points you're going to in a rec league, in a rec league matchup. But right yeah. now, <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA, man, they look pitiful. <laughs> they just look bad. They need LeBron back. They need Schroeder to be consistent. They need Anthony Davis. And uh, Andre Drummond needs to come and, and help him out too. So playoff, playoff Lakers are going to be a different animal. They're going to be a different animal than what we've seen with the Lakers the past month and a half or so. But at least we can make fun of them now. Man, listen, the Lakers are so bad. I've seen Kyle Kuzma airball twice <laughs> in a matter of like a week and a half. He airballed two free throws. <laughs> it was so bad. And listen, <laughs> I, that's a great transition because we can go into what the NBA is talking, uh, what NBA Twitter has been talking about this week. What it do, baby? Yeah. And it is Kyle Kuzma's free throw shooting was one of them because his airball was making the rounds. <laughs> Yeah, you just can't man. you can't airball a free throw when you're with the Lakers and expect no one to talk about it. You can't airball a technical foul free throw. So I mean I ain't even I didn't even mention that part. He did not only miss a free throw, he missed a he airballed a technical foul free throw. A free throw that's too free. Like now you ain't even, you didn't even have to earn that one. Somebody was yapping their lips and then you went to the line. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's ultra free. They're not standing there. They're not even standing there at the line to talk to you. Yeah, it's uh, that's bad. That's a bad look for Kuzma. Not great. But it was. I, I'm always down to make fun of Kyle Kuzma. I'm okay with that. You got LeBron. He tweeting. What he tweeting about? Tweeting about Jalen Suggs. Tweeting about the game winner. Um, and then he had a tweet. It was like the next morning where it was essentially like I woke up early. Really wanted to hoop. I saw that. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> very cheesy. Very LeBron. <laughs> Going to and then people were also talking about uh, Space Jam, too. I did the see Space that. Jam trailer. Did you see the trailer? Yeah, I did. I, it's going to be fun. I, I don't know what people expect. It's not going to be some Oscar movie. Yeah. It's just going to be a fun, stupid movie, just like the North, the first Space Jam. Yeah, it's going to be pretty fun, pretty goofy in your terms. You know, a pretty goofy movie with LeBron. You know, little I saw the little clips. He was, he had the little side note with Will Smith and everything. And then they did the little LeBron D Way with Lola Bunny and LeBron, but he he doesn't even get to the rim. So yeah, it's gonna be pretty fun for the kids, you know, who grew up as a LeBron fan and enjoy LeBron to this point in his career. They're gonna enjoy it. I believe so. Yeah, it's um I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I am. Uh it's gonna be cool to see how they turn those cartoon characters into like semi realistic, like Bugs Bunny had that like weird realistic look. He doesn't look like a cartoon. And then you have Dame, Dame Lillard's in it too. He's, he's that like villain looking guy. Okay. I didn't, Oh, you know what? I didn't even notice. I got to see his face then. Yeah. They, they asked him about it. He's like, no, it's not, it's not a cameo. It's a, it's a significant role. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm looking forward to it now. I got to check. I got to look into it now. See now Dame, Dame might be going for the Oscar. If if we're talking about <laughs> it'll, it's gonna Dane's Dame's gonna be trying to outshine LeBron on the big screen. Um Joel Embiid was trolling Carl Anthony Towns when they were playing against each other. His first game back on Saturday night against the Timberwolves. He was going at Carl Anthony Towns. It was fun to see the two big men going at each other because you kinda when when Embiid's out, you kinda miss his uh dramatics. He he does like to get dramatic with some of the other centers. So it was fun to see him. He was like rolling around, really getting in Carl Anthony Towns' face. It was fun to see. Now, how well did he play in the game despite all this trolling? And how well did Carl Anthony Towns do in that game? Well, I mean, listen. <laughs> Does that even matter at this point? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, because we know who to which player, which player is the better player. Is that why? <laughs> well, so all right, Carl Anthony Towns did have a great game, of course. Thirty-nine points, fourteen rebounds for Carl Anthony Towns. Embiid only had twenty-four and eight. So Carl outplayed him, as as I think you were getting at there was Carl Anthony Towns outplayed Joel in that game. But it was Joel's first game back after being out for a little bit. That's true, and I will say this. When it comes to them playing, and you look at the current bigs in the NBA, when I look at how they played against each other on that Saturday night, Cat mm-hmm. just shoots too many threes. He shoots too many threes at times, like 12 three-point attempts. You know, Joel only had four. Granted, he had 24 points, eight rebounds, get on the glass a little more. Whatever, they won the game. But... I need Cat to be in the paint or shooting the mid-range shot a little bit more because four for 12, man, you're shooting the most threes on your team and you're the center. Yeah, that's um, not ideal. <laughs> certainly, not, <laughs> certainly not ideal. Now, the other guy for the stat of the week, big man, 
He said, damn them threes. <laughs> yeah. Let's do stat of the week. Giannis, baby. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What's the stat of the week this week, Zach? The stat of the week is Giannis Antetokounmpo going 18 for 18 in the paint, 18 for 21, while going for 47 points against the Blazers. And I saw that game. I don't know if you saw that game, but I saw that game. And let me tell you something. It was barbecue chicken all night long. It's kind of like what you would hope Giannis could do every night, in a way. You're just like, why? Like It's kind of what we saw with Joel Embiid at the kind of started last season and this season of two where you're just watching him and you're like, why can't you do this every single night? But I will say this. And to Giannis's defense, this is how I look at it. And it was really based on that last game. And I just was talking so much and all my friends, group chats, this and that about Giannis and how, man, he really that dude for real. Like, y'all really got to start putting respect on my man's name. Like, he really back-to-back MVP, and y'all want him to have a jumper and this and that and shoot off the dribble. And because he's 6'11", he all of a sudden is supposed to have the same game as a Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant can do it and Anthony Davis can do it. So why can't Giannis do it? Listen here. As long as Giannis can dominate the paint, and especially the way that I see him dominated one-on-one, like, you better bring some help. Greek Freak, you better bring some help. Transition, half court, no matter what, you got to bring some help. Because if you don't, it's lights out. I seen the I seen the Portland Trailblazers band really had a nerve to have Robert Covington one-on-one with Giannis in the paint. Man, that's barbecue chicken with some fries, however you want it. We can go get some dessert. However you want it, Ben, it's, it, that's that type of meal we're going to do because Giannis putting the ball in the basket every time against a Robert Covington. I know we both love Dame and the Blazers, <laughs> but I think we're, we're, we're men enough to admit that the Blazers' defense is disgusting. Oh, it's bad. So, yeah, for them, <laughs> for them to put Covington on Giannis one-on-one is— One-on-one? Uh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. They're, they're just, uh, they're not a team that you're going to get very good defense out of. And Giannis going 18 for 18, I think the Blazers and a few other teams were the only teams that he possibly he could have done that against. Probably the Bulls, to be honest, were, were one of those teams. No, y'all got Vucevic now. No, hold well, on. now, yeah, with Vucevic now, it might be a little different. It would be, be different. I've been disappointed uh, with his defense, but that is a... That is a road we can go down later. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do. I think Giannis... He's someone who should be getting those type of baskets. Now, he shouldn't be getting disrespected by having Robert Covington go one-on-one with him every night, but he's big enough and athletic enough to get the ability to uh, to, to be able to do that almost every single night in the paint. 18 for 18. Perfect in the paint. And then he was shooting the mid-range, too. So it was like, oh, y'all sagging off? Because Nurkic had a few plays on him, too, where it was like, oh, y'all sagging off? It don't matter. I can shoot this little midi, too. I've been working on that, too. And then what's also funny is that even at times when Nurkic was guarding him, too, oh, you still sagging off? I'm still going to go to the rim. Like, I'm still going to the rim. It's still one-on-one. You got to bring someone else, fellas. You, If you don't bring someone else, Giannis is going to score. I want everyone to know that. If you don't bring someone else with Giannis, he's going to score. It doesn't even matter who it is. Any player, Rudy Gobert, uh, 
Andre Drummond, jo- Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, whoever you want to put on Giannis. If it's one on one, it's barbecue chicken. I'm hungry. Are you hungry? <laughs> it's making me hungry. He's, I, I'm hungry for some chicken now, to be I'm honest. An, I, I'm an aspiring vegan, and I'm studying talking about barbecue chicken. That's because <laughs> this is what it is, man. It's just like every time Giannis is in a paint, it's like it's lights out, man. And I seen that pretty. You, did you see that pretty finger roll he had? No, when? Man, he had a so he had like a George Irving, Iceman finger roll against the Blazers on his road to 47 points, man. It was he just was cooking. Like they couldn't do nothing with him. It's like, why are you trying to guard Giannis, six foot eleven, two fifty, one on one with Robert Covington? Y'all disrespectful. And, that's, and he made that he made that look too. He had came down the lane one point at one point in the game. Chris Middleton seen him cutting down the lane off the uh, off the trail. He had a tomahawk slam. Looked at the Blazers the uh, Blazers bench would would disgust. Like really, that's what y'all are doing. Yeah. <laughs> if if he continues to play like that into the playoffs, I think we'll see a different Bucks team from last season. And I and Drew Holiday being on that team too helps him a ton. I, I think he's going to make such a big difference. He got paid for the Bucks, especially now that he's really finding his groove and, and he's finding his place in the offense and developing that chemistry. Bucks could be dangerous. People could sleep on them because of how in and out they've been this season and how we know that they fade away in the playoffs. They could be a dangerous team this season in the playoffs, at least in the East. We hope P.J. Tucker is a good addition, but that's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Points in the Paint podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Follow your boy, Zach Badgerhouse, on Twitter and your man, my main man, Ben Wittenstein, of course, for all your NBA news and coverage around the association. Follow Shams, of course. Make sure you follow Stadium and check out Trash and Treasure with our boy, Mike Felder. He's going to have guests every week. And that's going to conclude this edition of Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. You hear from us next week. 